It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That's Game. smooth. What was that? That's Big Crit. Big I didn't know crit. where we were going when it first came on. It's just a pour and a drink. We're partying. It sounded like a some Me- type of creature. <laughs> Did it sound like the Predator? Over Something like up? that, yeah. Yeah, you looked at me like it was yeah, crazy. I, was like, I thought it sounded that? like a drink pouring up. Me and my old school, Big Crit. <laughs> Maybe I watched too much. Uh, I, I started following on Twitter. I forgot what the handles are called. They're like frightening or like scary nature or something like that. And they show these terrifying yeah. close encounters with uh, nature that are off the chain. All right. I love it. <laughs> That's why I follow it. Like it was this one girl about to go scuba diving and she was about to jump off the boat and there was a great white sitting like right there. And then he actually came up out of the water. Is this all real? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, no, or? this is real stuff. Well, right. it was a guy in Louisiana that was going through the, the swamp and those things that have the, I forgot what they call it, on the front. And it was two big gators that he didn't see them. And it bit one of the things uh, it was crazy. All right. I'll show it to you during the break. All right. So this is the question I want to ask the text line. It has potential to be my favorite text line question of all time. Tell us about the scariest encounter you've ever had with an animal. That's what I want to know about. 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Scariest encounter you've ever had with an animal. I did want to go to the text line as well because I did want to get to some more of the short athletes. I think... In the last hour, we talked about if Bryce Young was taken by the Carolina Panthers. It might not even be predicated on that. They might already have a case. But North Carolina is the land of the tiny athlete. Muggsy Bogues, shortest NBA player of all time, playing not only for Wake Forest, but of course the Charlotte Hornets. You also have Steve Smith, 5'9", best wide receiver anywhere close to that size until you get to like Wes Welker in the 50s of the all-time receiving guards list. Bryce Young would be basically the smallest QB that if he plays up to the hype of the number one pick, that he's going to be the best small QB maybe. I know Drew Brees, Russell Wilson though. Russell Wilson went to NC State. That's somebody else uh, who wrote that in. 704 number wrote that in. That's a great one. 786, maybe stretching a little. Panthers are smaller cats. Three question marks. Makes sense. Okay. Hornets are tiny. Man, we represent the tiny athlete here. Would you consider, well, I guess you couldn't consider Steph because he's 6'3", would you say that? No, 6'2", but I I looked at this case. Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but if we're going to do it, that's fine. Because if you look at the top 10, 15 NBA players of all time, he's the shortest on that list. Oscar Robertson, a point guard like 6'5", I think would be the next shortest. I mean, so Steph Curry, if we're going to flirt with the top 10 spot for him, then I think Steph Curry could be on that list. So there's another one. Speaking of Steph Curry, Wes, he went down 0-2 to the Sacramento Kings last night. The Kings are 2-0 after not making the playoffs forever. They got another win, and now here is Sacramento playing both of these games at home. They got the dub. Now Golden State is going to go back at home, and we'll see if the Warriors, who played much better at home, all season long, like Warriors couldn't win a road game all year. Pretty crazy. That held true in the first two games of this playoff series. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Warriors are not only done in this series, which is one question, but the question following that would be, do you think the dynasty is over after this series is over? Ooh, man, that's a great question. All right. I like to be definitive. So I think that the Warriors are done for this series. Okay. Uh, I love the Warriors. I love Steph. There's no question about that. But I think that this year, just their road record is so bad that I think now at this point, the fact that you couldn't get one of the first two, 
I just think the law of averages now. This is why you get home court advantage in the NBA, and I think it's going to play to Sacramento's favor. Sacramento's also the third seed for a reason. They were one of the NBA's best teams this season, and I think that this is a team that's fully capable of going into Oakland and getting a win. So I think that the Warriors are in serious trouble. I think they needed to get one of the first two last night, and it's I'm not saying that the Kings are going to win multiple championships, but this is a younger version of themselves when they look in the mirror. This is a younger, quicker team that runs the same system that they run under head coach Mike Brown that was in Golden State with Steve Kerr. No, that's a, well, that's a great question or great point, I should say, because Mike Brown, not only did he have experience with Cleveland when Cleveland was kind of battling, I think Mike Brown was there again. Maybe I'm tripping on that, but I do know that he was there with Golden State on that staff, as you just mentioned. It might be somebody like that that knows the ins and outs of the Warrior sure. system. Well, and Golden State has struggled defensively all year, too. So offensively, this is why this matchup was so fun, because Sacramento was scoring more points than anybody, and also Golden State, they were playing so well offensively. They get Andrew Wiggins back, who was going through some other you know, off-the-court problems. Don't know what that was. I know the rumors there, but don't Oof. know what it was. But he comes back, and you thought, okay, now at least they have some defensive pieces. Draymond Green, still one of the best defenders in the NBA. Andrew Wiggins was huge for them, winning that championship last year. If it's not Steph winning finals MVP, it's probably Andrew Wiggins second on that list. And Klay Thompson had a really nice bounce back full season this past year, shooting 40% from three, high volume, whatever. I don't think they're done in this series. I think going back home, we've just seen them play so well there all year long. It's not crazy to think that they would drop the first two road games because they've struggled so much. But it, I do think that Golden State is done after this season. I, they're not, and it's not a crazy take, but I don't give them a shot to win a championship after this year. Wow. I don't think so. See, I'll go, I'll go no on that simply because this franchise has learned uh, how to adapt. They've learned what pieces to put together, and they're not afraid to make the big moves if they need to. They have plenty of bait there to trade if they need to go uh, and get a piece to upgrade this roster in certain areas because I think that the Kings, the big thing with them is they're so balanced offensively. You've got the shooting with Herder, Fox, Harrison Barnes is still capable of, of, of knocking down threes as well. You have Malik Monk, but then you have Big Sabonis down there that plays with that back to the basket, but he can also shoot. Classic stretch four. So you're going the exact opposite of me then. You you think they're done for the series, but I not as a dynasty. I think they're done for the series, but not as okay. a dynasty. I'm not going like to put that. that past them because I still think that Clay, Steph, Draymond still is a collective. They have been really good this season when they're all together and all healthy. But I think that if push comes to shove, there's still plenty of trade chips there. If they want to trade a Jordan Poole or Kaminga, if they want to put together some type of package like that, they have a lot of guys there or they have a few guys there that connect them maybe the remedy to whatever uh, their problems may be. So, so that's what I was looking at was the payroll. Steph okay. Curry is going to be making close to $60 million 2025-26. Now, that's going to be a contract that's worth it, okay? And they've always said they don't care about going over the luxury. Tax. But, 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 it gets, it's, it's already crazy. It's, well, it's crazy now. Yeah. It's, and, and shout to Joe Lacob for, hey, we have a championship foundation, and he paid his guys for it. Draymond Green's contract has a player option in 2023-2024. Clay Thompson will be making $40 million in 2023-2024. 
just saw a quote from Clay Thompson that he says he expects to get paid the full max after his contract is done. So if Clay Thompson's going to get huge money, Draymond Green, are you going to pay him huge money again? Just to also add on to it, Jordan Poole already got paid. So this is someone that's going to be making $30 million. And by the way, didn't play like a $30 million play, uh, a year guy this season. Uh, underwhelming this season for sure. Doesn't add a lot defensively. Wiggins is making 24, 26, 28, 30 in 2020. I mean, everybody is getting paid bananas <laughs> money. And then so what else do you have? The answer is nothing. The answer is a bunch of rookie scale contract guys and Kaminga, some of these other like a Moses Moody hasn't come along as much as you'd like him to. And these guys are old, Wes. It'd be one thing if they were all getting paid and they were 27, but they're all over 30. Clay Thompson's 33. Steph Curry's 35, which even even for him, I, it's surprising to still see him at 35. Green is 33. Wiggins is approaching 30. It's not like he's crazy young anymore. I, I think, yeah, I think the dynasty is over after this season for sure. And I just, I'm interested to see what Golden State's going to do after that. It, it's just coming to an end, but all things do have to come to an end. All right, let's go to the text line. We did ask you, you can still get some of these text messages in. What is the scariest animal encounter you've ever had in your entire life? And I feel like we've gotten some pretty good ones. Uh, Number one troll wrote in, I've been attacked by a bear at Zion National Park. I currently only have one hand. It took me forever to type this. Oh, no, sorry for number one troll having that attack with the bear at Zion National Park. Um, Simon Says wrote in, I was walking down a dark road back to my dorm one night. When I got dive bombed out of nowhere by an owl, I'm not ashamed. To say, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say that I screamed like a little girl. Bradley Blanks rode in fishing in Florida on the bank. Gator was right under my legs on the oh. bank. I never saw it in the water. <laughs> I took off. It took off, made a huge splash, and I may have pooped my pants. Thank mm. you, Bradley. Nobody's gonna blame you on that. What's I mean, the gator is the scarier one. The owl, though, if it dive bombs you because you're close to its nest, that's got to be scary, too, though. Got to be. Both of those scary. 336 said, found a black snake under the toilet when I was wiping oh, after I had already gone oh, number two. That's a lot of information. Would, well, I mean, but still noteworthy. Like, yes. I, I want to, I, I do want to, like, can you imagine that it adds was- to the story? Black snake just right there as soon as you're all, because you can't move or else it's going to be a mess. What am I supposed to do with a snake down there? <laughs> Goodness gracious, that sounds awful. It I does. do not want to be a part of that whatsoever. Did you see the guy up in Nashville? They showed him on the news the other day. He was hanging out reading a book like on his patio, and a bear just casually walked up on his patio, and they both scared each other, and the bear <laughs> ran off. I have seen that video. He got before. lucky. Yes, he did. Uh, 704. Now, this one, Tom wrote in. Tom said he was chased by a mother moose in Yellowstone Park. Oh. Those things don't play. Have you seen moose before? Please go look up. And they're huge. Look up moose attacks. Just look how big they are. Those things don't play whatsoever. So we got some great ones here. All right, we're getting a lot more. <laughs> Gator Bates rode in. He got bit by a water moccasin. Did you have to do, tell us more about that? Ooh. Did you have to do the anti-venom thing? Ow. Go to the hospital? How would you sound if you if you were biting someone? Ow. Okay. Uh, 704 <laughs> number said there was a 12-inch hammerhead shark while snorkeling in the keys that he encountered. Yeah, that would be bad, too. I'm going to get to some of these other ones. Flounder shut up guy, he wrote in, he was attacked by a 120-pound great Pyrenees. Got me in the neck and had to be stitched up. That's scary. Some Cujo stuff right there. All right. Keep telling your most dangerous animal encounters you've ever experienced. 704 570 9610. We'll come back. 
We'll take a little look at the defense for the Carolina Panthers. Is it crazy to think that the Panthers could be better offensively than they are going to be defensively next season? Mm. We'll talk about that next. Wesson Walker, Sports Raider, 92.7 WFNZ. We are back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Hit us up on that Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Follow us on the socials, WFNZ Twitter, Wesson Walker Twitter, and WFNZ Instagram, Walker Showed you a couple of those videos I was telling you about. The gator one was crazy. Four yeah. men in Louisiana with a gator attacking whatever Two of them in water there. style tractor you have. We're going with, I mean, we've got a lot of text messages and a lot of long ones because of the stories. We're going to try to comb through some of these. 704-570-9610. But this is the conversation I'm interested in having right now. 704 number. And provide your name, too, if you don't have one on the text line. And you know you don't, by the way. 704 number said... Stepped back, after, stepped back after hitting a tee shot, standing, watching my dad hit, felt something on my ankle, looked down, and a snake was right there, mm. coiling up on my foot with its oh. tail wrapped around my leg, screamed during dad's swing and kicked his leg. Dad turns around to yell, dang, snake goes right through his legs. All I saw was a cobra, but think it was probably just a rat snake, gave him a mulligan. Yeah, if I'm swinging and I have some kind of snake on my foot, it's going to be pretty crazy as well. Cat Square Smitty wrote in, stepped in the shower, lathered up, looked down. There was a snake going crazy around my foot. <laughs> I was living there while building his new house. And you have a fear of snakes in the bathroom as well, Fitty. Yeah, That's what every, you were sharing. Yeah, every time that I'm going to the bathroom, I check to make sure there's not a snake where I'm about to drop a snake because I don't – there's nothing I want to do. Like, I don't think nothing terrifies me more than on the john. <laughs> And here comes little old little serpent right up into my little man region. Oh, yeah. No, no. I hate him. And the thing is, is my dad used to have a pet snake. And so we would hold him or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, once that pet snake died, nah, man. Uh, Stanford P. has a great point. He wrote in, every time he's been to Lazy Five Ranch, the ostrich physically and mentally assaults him. It's terrifying. (laughs) Yes. If you have that food... That ostrich is going to go crazy on you. The ostrich is definitely scary. There's a couple more. 704 said, uh, or excuse me, Mikan said, my mother-in-law came over for Thanksgiving. It was terrifying. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mikan. That one's brutal. 704 said, three barracudas followed him for about 200 yards just after jumping in the outskirts of a reef down in the Keys. So barracuda, those things, they make, I've been diving Turks and Caicos. I went a long time ago. They make you take my, yeah, I was 10 years old, so it wasn't my money, but my, they would uh, make you take off any shiny 
shiny thing you had. Like they would make you take off jewelry because the Barracuda are uh, attracted to it. I thought Barracuda wow. was a heart song. It was. Yes, it I is. I didn't know it was an animal. No, it is. It's scary. Are you serious right now? Yeah. You didn't know a Barracuda was a real animal. I thought you were joking and I was going to move on. <laughs> but you're being real. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of a Barracuda. Wow. It's a fish. It's a, okay, a fish listen, with shark. fish nerd. I don't, I don't know anything about aquariums and ecosystems like you. Well, I mean, even Wes looked at you. I mean, Barracuda. Wow. Okay. No, yeah. yes, it is not just a heart song. <laughs> so it now you a, can clown me because I was being real. It's an actual reference to an animal. Um, yeah, we have some dog encounters here as well. NASCAR Brad said his brother accidentally rolled around in a giant ant mound when he was when they were kids. He had ant bites all over him. That oh, sounds yes. that sounds awful. And then here's the, here's the last one we'll end on. We've got a lot. Maybe we can get to them later. Three three six said. A moth flew into my ear hole in college. Start to finish, it was in there for two hours. I do not recommend. <sighs> the creepy crawlies getting into the ear. Would you rather just deal? I, I don't know if I'd rather deal with a snake. I mean, two hours with an insect in your ear. And you got to think you can probably hear it rustling around in there. Give me the snake on the John. That's what I'm rolling with. Oh, I don't know, man. That's, that snake on the John is scary, though. You know, people believe that we eat spiders in our sleep. Seven per year, something like that. I don't know. The number varies every time I hear it, but I've wow. heard that quite a bit. Do you ever think about that when you lay down at night? Like, I'm soothing my mouth open and here's going to come a little old. <laughs> like, look, if, if, if it's going to give me, you know, turn me into Spider-Man, I'm here for it. But yeah. like, if it's going to kill me. <laughs> if it's radioactive, I'm here for it. But you're right. I'm not really trying to eat it. Just bite me and then give me the web shooting power that Spider-Man has. And then feel free again to text your animal story into the Garage Durguru te text line 704-570-9600. All right. Well, another animal or what could turn into an animal okay. this season, Talk Jeremy Chan, okay? Scott Fitter said on Panthers.com that they're going to move him around a little bit, said that he'll be like the big nickel, maybe dime linebacker. It gives them flexibility on the back end. Said this is a league now where you're in nickel 75 to 80% of the time. Guys like Jeremy are going to be on the field. He's a very valuable player for us, and this is news to Carolina fans it's Carolina Panthers fans ears about this guy because they want him to go back to the role he had when he was a rookie. Let's hear what Luke Keekley had to say uh, about this and how excited he would be to see Jeremy Chan do this. You look at Jeremy's career, I think he's had a ton of success and I think the most success he's had is when he's in the mix. He's around the ball, he's at the line of scrimmage, he's pressuring, he's going forward, he's running guys down because that guy plays so daggone hard and he's gonna, and we're gonna have some more flexibility with him. I'm, I'd imagine this year with, you know, obviously Vaughn's flying back back there playing a little bit more traditional safety, and then Jeremy can drop in, come off the edge, play kind of that sub backer, be in the box, take on blocks, run and chase. I'm excited, big guy on tight ends because Jeremy's a big dude. He's six three, six four, two two twenty, two twenty five. I think it just gives us a lot of flexibility with one of our best players. All right, and so one of the reasons they're able to do that is because they signed Von Bell from Cincinnati to give Jeremy Chin the freedom to be able to do so. Let's hear from Keekley before we start to go in on this about why it's important to have a veteran safety to tie this defense together and why Von Bell has been such an amazing addition. You kind of just look at Von Bell's career. He's been a guy that's played in big games. He's a veteran. He's got a great presence. You know, Obviously, I'm from Cincinnati. All the guys in Cincinnati were super bummed 
that he left, not only because of the player he was, just the presence that he had. And, you know, you look back, when I was playing, we always had veteran safeties that, number one, can play, but number two, are always just in the right spot. They get guys lined up, and then it adds a little bit more flexibility to what Jeremy Chin can do. And this defense, I think, is going to be super exciting. All right, so we heard it right there from Luke Keekley, one of the all-time greats. So I ask you, Walker Mayo. You talk about some of the great safeties in this league that are jacks of all trades. You talk about Derwin James, the Honey Badger. Can Jeremy Chin elevate himself into this league of safeties? I think he has the athleticism for it, and we've seen flashes of talent like that. And I think Jeremy Chin can be one of the better safeties in the NFL. I don't know if he'd be able to beat out some of these Pro Bowl guys and All-Pro. I don't think he'd be you know, a first-team All-Pro or anything like that. But I go back to it all the time. He was second in defensive rookie of the year voting only behind Chase Young, who was considered one of the best pass rushing prospects we had seen in the last decade. Like people loved what Chase Young could bring to the table. And here's Jeremy Chin after that first season, been a little bit of a disappointment since then. Like if, if the whole goal is to improve off of your rookie season, I think we can, I think like minds can say that's not what's happened with somebody you were originally very excited about. But there's always been this caveat, the fact that if he gets closer to the line of scrimmage, we usually see him more productive. Now, I, I didn't mind Phil Snow trying to put him back into the defensive backfield because you drafted him to be a safety. And I think it's okay to experiment early in his career. Well, okay, if we drafted him to be a safety, just how effective could he be and how multiple could he be? I thought it was fine. But I think now at this point in his career, we know what he does well and we know what he struggled with so far in his career. If you get him closer to the line of scrimmage, not only do you have Von Bell back there and Xavier Woods, I feel good about the safety backfield. But now Jeremy Chin, Frankie Louvu too, Wes. I mean, you could send him on some blitzes. And then so now think about it, right? Like two of those guys on each side, one can drop back into coverage and then you send one quarterback doesn't know which one is coming. You know, so that would be a lot of like you can do a lot of really creative stuff. And we have the guy to dial that creative stuff up in a Jero Avero. I am excited. Luvu, Jeremy Chin has some linebacking presence and Shaq Thompson there. I This defense, it, it could be a lot of fun to watch. I think they're going to have a lot of fun sp uh, splash plays for you. You don't have a great defensive end opposite of Brian Burns, but as far as like the splash plays could be considered on the defensive side, I think Carolina could provide that quite a bit this year. Yeah, they could. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that as well, because when you talk about him being a dime linebacker or a big nickel, whichever one of those you want to say, then, you know, when you bring him and you look at what he brings to the table last year, his best grade according to pro football focus was his pass rush grade which was a 67.8 it was higher than all of his other grades by far and so with that you could drop him in the coverage you could bring him on a blitz there are a lot of things you can do and the main thing you want to do is confuse the quarterback on passing downs we know this is a passing league and of course you have the requisite guys up front to be stout against the run but with a guy like this he can come up. The quarterback may not know, okay, is this going to be coverage for him? Is he coming or what? So I do think this is going to be a welcomed addition. I think that this was something that the Carolina's def the Carolina defense was lacking, and I think this is one of the things you want to be in the league. You need something to counteract these offenses, especially with as creative as they like to get, especially when you play the more dynamic offenses to like to put so much pressure 
on these defenses, you need to be multiple and be able to not just sit back and take what the offense is throwing at you, but to be the aggressor in your own right, to be able to show looks to where the offense isn't sure what's coming and really disrupt what they're doing. So I think that is a great addition for them with Von Bell and them taking Jeremy Chin and letting him be kind of that just guy that moves all over the field. So with that said, talking about the defense, excitement about that, flipping it over to the offense, and we've been excited about what they've done with this offense as far as some of the guys they brought in, steady veterans that are going to show up. But what are some of the problems if you forecast this Panthers offense that you foresee coming into this year? Well, right now, not including the draft picks that could be there at 39 overall, that could absolutely go to a receiver. It's the health at the receiver position because DJ Chark coming off of the ankle surgery, he's missed a few games the last two seasons. I like him as a talent, but it's not something you can just bank on him playing 14 of the 17 games. Even, I mean, there, there might be a significant amount of time for what right now is the second most productive wide receiver that you've gone out to go get Adam Thielen continues to get older. I do think he'll be, I think he'll be good this year, but it's not something I can bank on him, you know, as he gets older as well. And so it's not like you have the greatest amount of wide receiver depth by any stretch of the imagination. I do like Hayden Hurst being a safety valve for you. And we'll see about Terrace Marshall, but even Terrace, right? Terrace has been someone that has been injured quite a bit, even going all the way back to high school. We're hoping that he can be someone that is healthy and stays that way throughout his NFL career. I, I think the depth at wide receiver, if it starts to get slim, that could be a problem, especially when you're talking about a number one overall selection at QB. You want to bring this guy along nicely. I, I feel good enough, right? We've talked about it before. At best, probably an average group of pass catchers. If you're a little bit hesitant to say that, then it's not too far below average. It's not absolutely the worst, right? But I think that's what I would go to. I would say, okay, the depth at pass catcher and even the health there. The, the health is certainly a concern as well. I would agree with you there for sure. We talked about how Adam Thielen and receivers at at his age can tend to start to fall off the cliff there when you talk about them going and the possibility of having prime seasons. And then you talk about DJ Chark and the article that came out about the procedure that he got done. And when he got his ankle repaired before, they put a piece inside of that that didn't agree with his body and it hampered him through last season. And they said that the procedure that he got done this offseason is supposed to clean that up, help it out so he will be ready. But he's going to have to ease himself back into things. And so that's a key point as well. If DJ Chark does get slowed down by that ankle coming into training camp, not able to get the playbook, the chemistry with the young quarterback or whomever the quarterback may be that could slow them down too because then you talk about maybe going to a Terrence Marshall as your number two receiver unless you draft a guy that comes in and that is ready to go. So, Well, just for the, the X factor, if you were to pick one that could really swing the result of how this team performs, do you go Terrace Marshall potentially having a breakout year, quote unquote, whatever no. that may look like? No. But I know you don't believe in him doing so. Mm -hmm. But if he did, that would be a huge jump for oh, this team. That would be ginormous. Yeah, because Terrace, somebody that you invested a second round pick in, where eventually you just, I think it was right, you traded back and then eventually Terrace Marshall fell. I forget all the movement that Scott Fitter has gone through here. But you got him late because people were really scared about his injury history. 
I, I like Terrace Marshall more than you do. That's been well documented. I think there's a shot for that to happen. And if that does, if he becomes a real bona fide, I mean, maybe even he improves so much so where you don't know who the number one is between Thielen and Terrace Marshall as he's starting to cl- to decline. And Terrace, you're hoping, is climbing the ladder. If that were to happen, I mean, think about how monstrous that would be. If you're talking about one swinging factor, Terrace Marshall's improvement, if that happens, that would be fantastic for this Carolina Panthers offense. Real quick before we go to the 50 flash, are you worried that DJ Chark may be in and out of the lineup this season? Yeah, no, that's that's what I was talking about with the biggest weakness, for sure. I think with Terrace, uh, excuse me, with DJ Chark, his injury history, it's concerning the last couple of seasons. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So hopefully he can stay healthy because I do like him on the field. I think he's a good player. I just hope he can stay there. All right, Fitty, time for flash number two. Let's get it. All right, guys, if you remember back in my first flash, I had a little tease for you surrounding the local uh, minor league teams here in Charlotte. Earlier today, the Charlotte Checkers and the Knights did announce that the Checkers will play an outdoor game at Truist Field on January 13th of 2024. And season ticket holders of both the Knights and the Checkers, they will get some information in their mailbox later today. We saw the Hurricanes last year play an outdoor game at Carter-Finley Stadium, the home of NC State. Now it's coming to Charlotte, not to the Bank of America, but to Truist. Nonetheless, a pretty cool thing for both of the, the minor league affiliates to be a part of. Awesome. I would love to go to this game. I and agree. I've, and I've never been to, I mean, I don't know how many people have, but I have not checked out in person, certainly, a hockey game outside. I know a lot of people enjoyed it a lot when the Carolina Hurricanes were a part of this, but I would love to go to this awesome. at Truist Field. Very cool for both of these teams to be partnering with one another and both do a, a fantastic job at the promotions and trying to create what a, a fun atmosphere when you go there. So I'm excited. I want to go. That would be fantastic. I'm for sure to going to that. Go That's going to be yeah. really dope. But when we were turn on the Wesson Walker show Willie P coming in the voice of Charlotte FC to talk about the squad what's going on what's the latest this is the Wesson Walker show sports radio 92.7 WFNZ myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. We were having fun during the break, still talking about Barracudas and how Fiddy did not know what they were. And then so it really was a missed opportunity by me. I asked the question, what did you think Hart was referring to every time that you would... Because you like Hart. I've heard you say this before. You like the song Barracuda quite a bit, and so you just didn't know what they were singing about. Yeah, no, Magic Man was the song that turned me on to classic rock. Okay. So it, was, it wasn't Barracuda, but I also love Barracuda. Right, and so you were just you just didn't know what it was. You just were singing it. I was out there fishing for answers. I know, and you never found one, but now we gave one to you, <laughs> and it's Barracuda. It's a fish. It is indeed a fish, and a pretty scary one at that. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on the Garage Door Guru text line. We'll now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie P joins us, voice of Charlotte FC, a voice you hear all the time here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie, before we go to some Charlotte FC conversation, I know you were also at the Scott Fitterer press conference. Before all of that, I do want to know, 
Is there anything that comes to mind when I ask you what your scariest encounter ever was with an animal? Is there something that comes to mind where it was the most scared you've ever been with an animal encounter? Before I address that, Mm -hmm. you basically have delineated the generational gap that exists between Josh Marlowe and the rest of humanity because anybody who was of a certain age would definitely know about the Barracudas because of the show Legend of the Hidden Temple and the Blue Barracudas is part of that show. That's right. So I, I... I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know how Josh lives with himself, having not known what a blue barracuda was. But uh, I digress. My scariest uh, animal encounter. Uh, there was definitely a gator on uh, on, a, on a golf trip uh, that uh, my father and I were at in Hilton Head, and uh, let's just say uh, I had to putt within uh, pretty close proximity from said gator. <laughs> and uh, let's just let's just say I did not think the putt. There's a lot of gators and snakes on the text line. Those seem to be the most common encounters of just how scared people were. A little too common for them to be that dangerous out there. I, so I'm glad you survived, Willie. I, I had a, I had a cool uh, just interaction with an animal when I was a kid. I got to hold uh, a, a baby koala on uh, on like my shoulders, like piggyback. That wasn't scary at all. That was actually pretty cool. Do they smell like everyone says they do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Figured they did. And it's I did not expect all, them to smell like all, that, but everybody that, says all, it. All that eucalyptus can't uh, all the eucalyptus in the world can't uh, can't help the uh, the koala smell. <laughs> all right. Now we know. Now we know about the koalas and their smell. Willie P, before we get to the Charlotte FC conversation, let's ask you what happened with Scott Fitter over there at Bank of America Stadium today. What were some of the main takeaways? Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to uh, to dodge the Fitterer conversation, but uh I think the biggest thing we found out is that they at least are telling the public that they have not made a decision yet and they've kept everything somewhat uh, under wraps. And I think part of the reason they're doing that is by design because they are welcoming in C.J. Stroud and Will Levis into their building today. So the last thing they want to do is feel like they tipped their hand. I think the most revealing thing that Scott Fitter said is that they are convicted in making the pick. And I think that's think, the most important thing is that there had been some talk about them possibly trying to recoup some draft capital, moving down to either two or three because of how happy they were with the quartet of quarterbacks. But now it seems to me that they at least have their decision in mind of wanting to at least make that pick. And so that's why I think a lot of the people have turned towards Bryce Young being that pick. And the majority of the questions today were about Bryce Young. So I don't think anybody around kind of has any uh, disillusions about where exactly they're going. But at least openly, they have uh, still kept the mirage uh, somewhat active. Willie P, Charlotte FC gets the draw. Very disappointing. What do you feel like that that has done for the confidence of this team being how it happened? Well, again, it's an, it's an isolated moment in a game where I feel like Charlotte FC showed a lot of resolve in coming back. Uh, the conceding of the first goal was, was not necessarily a good thing because it came off a counter, and it's something that once again unfortunately exposed Charlotte FC's weaknesses defensively but like i said they showed a lot of resolve to get themselves back into the game with a pair of goals in the 62nd and 65th minutes and so at that point chris latanzio decides to to make a couple of substitutions that are more defensive minded the unfortunate part about that is that he was kind of handicapped because one of his best defenders got injured on a play that uh jess and i talked about in the broadcast probably should have resulted in a player for Colorado picking up a second yellow card and being sent off and having them down to 10 men. And if that happens, it's a much different finish to that match than, uh, than what we saw. But 
Uh, it is unfortunate, and it also is not necessarily emblematic of the way that George Marks has played. George has played fantastic goalkeeper uh, in his time with Charlotte FC. has not had the results to show for it, aside from the one win and one draw previous, but it is an unfortunate error. I also don't think that enough uh, enough people were talking about the fact that you know the fact that the the player got space behind is an indictment on on where they were defending wise. So that part also is hard to uh, to swallow from Charlotte's perspective. But uh, we always like to say that one is better than none. Although uh, that particular draw did not necessarily feel like points earned; it felt like points lost. And then, what is the most central thing that you think is is hurting this team right now, and why they can't collect more wins? Uh, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. It's a combination of, of defensive errors uh, that are isolated in games that don't necessarily come, you know, in the in the run of play. And the other part of it too is just their chance creation has to continue to take a step up. I think they struggled to create chances in the opening half of play. They made a couple of adjustments at halftime, and those chances finally were able to come. But neither team had a shot on target until the first goal of the game in the 54th minute. So. You had a lot of, I think, high, I, I, would, I would say, uh, high degree of difficulty chances uh, to try and convert uh, in the early portion of the match. But Charlotte FC for the game, I think, only had three shots on target, and two of them were in the back of the net. So biggest biggest problems right now for Charlotte FC is they got to get more shots on frame, and, and the ones that they, they take on frame, they have to limit those opportunities. And unfortunately, th- those have been kind of two of the errors you look at and say they've been a common thread in their eight games to date. Willie, how much pressure is on Christian Latanzio right now? I think a ton. I, I think there are a lot of people in the fan base that uh, feel like this team should be doing better to start the season. Now, granted, you know, six points in eight games is not awful, but it's, it's nowhere near the top of the table. And I'm not saying that this team uh, was expected to be at the top of the table, but I think you always felt like they'd be in the mix. Uh, they're still in that mix, and I think the table is actually done some favorable things to them. So I think that's part of the reason why maybe the, the pressure is turned up. This is a particularly critical stretch for Charlotte FC in a number of facets because you have the game this weekend against Columbus. You've got a U.S. Open Cup tie middle of the week against South Georgia Tormenta. So I don't think that, you know, there's a situation that's anything brewing in terms of any danger about Christian Latanzio's job because I think any decision that took place involving that would have to wait until after the U.S. Open Cup tie because of how, how much in proximity would be uh, coming up after uh, Columbus. So from that aspect, I don't think he's in danger at this point, but I also feel like there is a, uh, an appetite to see more than what we've seen over the course of the first eight contests. So I do feel like this result uh, last weekend, combined with what is going to be taking place, not just this upcoming weekend, but next weekend after that, these are critical, critical games. The next two or three tests in all comps, Saturday against Columbus, Tuesday uh, in the U.S. Open Cup against South Georgia Tormenta, and then a week from uh, from Saturday against D.C. United. We'll know a lot more kind of about uh, the 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 next portion of Charlotte FC season by how they play in these three matches. All right, let's hear from Willie Positive for a moment. Let's get positive to end the interview. What is something that you would say has been the biggest bright spot this season, despite a lot of the losing that's taken place? I think the two wingers, I think Karen Vargas and Camille Jozviak have really unlocked something. And I think those are both players that we expected to see massive jumps from. Uh, Jozviak got a lot of flack from fans about his designated player uh, uh, designation, if you will. And, and as a result, that has a bit of expectation that's put on his back. And he has very much responded. He's gotten two goals. He's also had a couple of assists as well in games. And 
I really love Kerwin Vargas. The goal that he scored to tie the game on Saturday uh, was a massive and awesome individual effort, and there are few players in this league and even on this team that can create that kind of individual effort. I refer to it on the broadcast is sauce, and that was about as saucy of a finish as we've seen a Charlotte FC player make in the 30 or 42 game history of this team. So as a result, I do feel like you're getting a lot out of those two players. I think Carol Spiderski uh, being able to get the, the service, the USB act and also the goal last week has made him come up on the come. We just now see, need to see it out of the rest of the team. You need to see more out of Enzo Capetti. You got to see more out of the midfield in terms of those, uh, those disruptive natured contests and also more from the fullbacks as well, because, I think if Charlotte FC has any problem right now, it's that you're relying on a lot of the same guys and that the wealth has not been spread the way that it was, say, a year ago. Saucy interview from our very own Willie P joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the voice of Charlotte FC, someone you can hear quite frequently here on these airwaves. Willie, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Willie Thank P. You. We'll put that interview on the website, WFNZ.com. And by the way, you can check out the podcast, our very own page, the tab. It's easy enough. Just go to WFNZ.com, click on Wesson Walker, and you can catch all of the best of segments, the hours, if you want to comb through some of those, all on WFNZ.com. We appreciate everyone listening to the show. Coming up next, <clears throat> God Almighty, hmm. that's going to be at the end of the week, isn't it? Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> you run one time and quite literally one time and all of a sudden you're sick for about a week coming up next at two o'clock we're going to debut a segment dueling prospects the prospect duels wes is going to pick somebody to possibly pick at 39 make the case for that prospect i will be doing the same and then fitty and you the listener have to pick who wins based on the sales pitch that each me and Wes gives. So that's coming up next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie P is a klutz.